The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, where we are live every week for the POD cast, the Pride of Detroit podcast. You see those three letters, Pride of Detroit, POD, POD, the first three letters of podcast. I haven't explained the title in a very long time. Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Welcome in. We have a show for you today as we sit here. On July 5th, the day after the 4th of July, with damage done and pets corralled, I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host, at Chris Perfett on Twitter. My pet is Ruby, a very fat cat of about 20 pounds, who hides like a total coward until one in the morning underneath the bed and has to be coaxed out with a combination of food, toys, and uh, a fan, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, editor-in-chief at Pride of Detroit. I think I have the title right this time. I think I called you, you nailed it. Okay. At Detroit Online. I always forget if it's editor-in-chief or managing editor. I don't Either understand. One. Whatever. Who cares? Anyway, how did, uh, how did Zazu, the big baby, handle last night? This was the first one where it was a little rough for him. Uh, he, he, he's normally taken 4th of July like a champ. This one was uh, a little tough on him, and I think we were we – were, kind of in close proximity of someone who had some pretty loud fireworks. So uh, we, we definitely had to coax him with some, some raw hides to, to make sure he was okay through the night. Raw hides, raw Raw hides, roll tides, roll tides. (laughs) Well, welcome to the Alabama episode. Uh, Ryan Matthews. At Ryan underscore P O D. How did goose handle goose? Your, your pupper. How did he handle the night? Uh, Goose, I mean, it was, it was touch and go. Um, he spent the past couple of 4th of July's at my parents' house. So like they, they kind of had a better understanding of how he reacts to fireworks. So this was kind of like my first year understanding how he reacts. And, uh, I think I did worse with it than he did because (laughs) I, I had, I like, it sounded like Beirut in my house. Like I had to like, I went full dad mode because, you know, sleeping baby and, you know, sheltered dog. So it's like, I, I had to find out who was lighting them off so I could know where goose can take his next shit. 
<laughs> I appreciate, I know I appreciate the pettiness. That's absolutely it. Yeah. Like I, I'm not one to rain on people's fun. And I, we were totally kids who had illegal fireworks, setting them off my grandparents' house in Pennsylvania. But like, I don't know when I'm in a, when you're in a pretty heavily urban area, like I am, uh, yeah, it's not fun. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been pretty anti-firework for a while now and, and listen, I'm, I'm starting on like a high people, note here. <laughs> people can have the fun that, that, that they want, but realize that they are adversely uh, impacting a lot of their neighbors and a lot of their neighbors don't like them. So maybe just keep that in mind, just go to a park and, and watch their fireworks. You know, the only fireworks you need are going to be the next 60 minutes of this podcast. So hell boom, yeah, boom, boom, boom. We've got it. <laughs> Speaking of fireworks, yes, an oversized mailbag to get to today. And we're going to talk about, we got a topic to talk about here. It is the dead of the off season though. We are, what are we at on the counter, Ryan? Have we hit the point where are our teams tweeting out like days till football in terms of like Jersey numbers yet? Yeah, for sure. We're, we're like in the fifties, aren't we? Is it that close? Fifties? I, I think I may have seen a 69 today. Nice. nice. <laughs> I definitely saw Frank rag now. And that was like a while ago. I feel yeah. like that's so. seven. All right. Well, we're zeroing find, in folks. Find your own counters. We're not here to count down days for you. Well, you might be listening on a delay. This is, as we right. always say, this is not technically a live <laughs> medium unless you're watching on Twitch. This is a recorded medium. But it also means we're getting closer and closer, guys, to Hard Knocks, Detroit Lions edition. And that will keep us company. It's been, compared to last year, a much more quiet offseason. But I feel like Hard Knocks will kick it into high gear. And we got news this past week that uh, film crews have already been spotted cover- honing in on the, on the home estate of the St. Brown family. Obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown, Lions wide receiver. But also that includes... His brother Equinemius St. Brown, who is he? He's no longer with the Packers, is he? I think he's on the Bears. Uh, he moved to another NFC North team. I'm pretty sure. I think he, I think he's the Bears. Let me look real quick. He is with the Bears. Yes, he's with the Bears. And Osiris St. Brown, who I'm pretty sure is in one of his final years at Stanford. Yeah. But also, of course, their father is John Brown, who was Mr. Universe. His mother's German. From what I have seen from an L.A. Times report, his father, uh, John, John likes to sing foreigner while in the car. <laughs> so I am imagine I have like a whole head. I have a whole head castle of canon of how this family operates. And I'm very excited to see the St. Brown family, that hyper aggressive workout fiend family, both sp- speaking German on and off and also like maybe lip synced to hot blooded. <laughs> Ever, ever heard foreigners sung in, in German? Maybe we get that. Oh man. Now we're really, <laughs> now we're really pushing it. No, I mean, I mean, that, that is a logical choice for, for HBO to, to, you know, just, I mean, that's, know that's more an about, insane like, family. That's a great family as a character. Yeah. And, and I, I do think, you know, as Lions fans, as people who follow this team every day, there's going to be a lot of overlap during hard knocks where we're like, Oh, we knew that. Oh, we knew that. But Amon Ra is so new to the team that I think there's a still a lot that, that us Lions fans aren't going to know about. And, and I'm kind of excited to see what HBO uncovers about, you know, the sibling rivalry rivalry of it, you know, the, the relationship with, with the father that they have. And yeah, it's, it just seems like an incredibly, I mean, just by the names alone, the fact that John Brown named his, bro, his, his 
Suns what what they did just be I mean I think the reasoning he gave was just like we wanted them to stand out like we knew we knew if, if we put a name like a, a weird name on them like suddenly John. people are going to pay more attention to him <laughs> yeah he know he knows the the opposite end of the spectrum right so um yeah no it's going to be a fascinating um family to watch and and I hope they get some good footage out of it. I think the thing that I'm looking most forward to with them is I hope that John Brown pulls out whatever Frankenstein Chicago Bears Detroit Lions jersey that he has. Because remember the Packers slash Lions jersey he wore? Yeah. Yep. Um, it just reminds me of that store. I don't I don't even think they exist anymore, but it was like the Great Divide or whatever, where mm-hmm. it's like half Michigan the store is Michigan State and yeah. half the store is Michigan. Like it just reminded me of like that store. But I, I swear uh, we have one of those I mean, down Toledo, but like man. Ohio State as well. Like those yeah. stores are everywhere. But do we yeah. I mean, let, can, let's get into some other things that maybe we want to see that I mean, we obviously don't know what they're going to do outside of this. I'm on Rob. Is there is there another player that you guys are interested in watching in terms of the like the because that's that's one big feature of HBO Hard Knocks is they they follow these guys off field. So who is who is a guy that you want to see more of? You want to know more about off the field? I have a cheating answer because it's not just one; it's two. Okay, see Oquara Brothers. Sure. I, I want I want more Oquara Brothers stuff, which will then kind of like segue into like more of a highlight on the like Nigerian um, culture that the lions have, you know, mm-hmm. with Fatou Malafanu and Jeff Okuda. And I mean, I, I think that that's a pretty interesting um, uh, storyline to this team as well, but the Aquara brothers kind of selfishly too, because we don't know anything about Romeo. Like, no, we don't, no. we don't really, we don't really know much about what's going on with him in terms of his rehab and stuff like that. And so I guess just like getting any footage of Romeo Okora, at least we can like start speculating like, oh, he has a boot or, oh no, he doesn't have a boot or he's on crutches or he's not on crutches or like, right. you know, at, at what stage is he at in, in his uh, recovery? But like, also, I just think it's a really interesting family to, to, to learn more about as well, just because of that dynamic of, I remember Julian on draft day, right? Like, getting drafted by the lions and talking about how he's going to be crashing at Romeo's place and, right. and stuff like that. So I, I think that that's a, another really interesting storyline too. That's that, that's very interesting. And I like, I like the Nigerian angle if only because I don't know how much it'll matter to hard knocks, but I think we've talked before about that growing demographic in the sport of American football, like yeah. is real. It's very real. And it's very fascinating, just like it is fascinating as we get, you know, some Germans now and then who try to crack at the, NFL, uh, the NFL uh, combine and, and the draft. I'm, I'm fascinated that American football can try to go more international. I'd like to see it go into more international. Um, for me, I just, and I know he's been a star on uh, hard knocks again. So maybe there's a little bit of fatigue, but I, and I feel like maybe because he's done it enough before that he might not, he might be able to get away from the cameras, but I, I do want to see more of Jared Goff because I'm kind of curious how that all plays out in your head that you've just basically got ejected from a team that the very next year turned around and went to a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl without you, where your career is basically seen as it's at its nadir and you're preparing to get ready to try to restore that in any way possible. I know we get a lot of questions about Jared Goff, about his turnaround, if he can even have that kind of turnaround that Stafford had. But I feel like Jared Goff's, when he fell off, it was a lot harder. And I, I, 
I'm curious to try to follow him around in part. And that curiosity isn't just because I wonder if we're going to get more questions about how he thinks about the moon and the sun. <laughs> I think that there's going to, there's some legitimate, uh, real competitive reasons. I want to see Jared Goff as well. And, and if you're talking Jared Goff off field stuff, you know, he did just get uh, engaged, you know, that, that could certainly That's be part be of the, yeah. the storyline and, and, you know, an interesting, a, a new chapter of his life as, as he enters maybe the most pivotal year of his football career. Um, combining those two could be an intriguing storyline. And, and at this point too, like Chris said, Jared Goff is a veteran to hard knocks. Like they need to take whatever, I mean, I think they've exhausted some other storylines with Jared Goff. Like they'll sure. probably you, have to use some new material. Do you think, do you think they might get him on camera and he just like recognizes some of the cameramen and just starts chatting them up or something and they just keep that in there just played that is possible uh the if we're talking off field stuff and and this guy's going to be entertaining on the field too but i still feel like we've kind of scratched we're only scratching the surface of panay sewell as as a personality Um, absolutely absolutely i I see more panay yeah i mean he's also kind of an interesting story in, in how you know he came to football and all that sort of stuff but I still feel like we don't know that much about Panay Sewell as a person. I don't like what is Panay Sewell's hobbies? What does he do in the off season? Um, you know, who are his friends on the team, all that sort of stuff. And so I, I, I want to know more about him. Like I want to know where that fiery attitude he, he gets comes from. Um, and, and just in general, like he, with the media, he's, he's still kind of in that reserved position where I feel like we, we haven't seen him let loose. And so Hard Knocks gives us that opportunity. I'd love to see. I, I just want to know who Panay Sewell is as a person because he, he's a fascinating player. His family's from the American Samoa as well. Right. Like very probably, probably interesting family arrangements there. And I, his brother is playing for Oregon, I believe. Mm-hmm. Other football. Noah, family. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got plenty of football families in here. It's, it's, it runs deep. So the more of that we get, the better I find. Yeah, Wait, is, it, is it Noah or is it? Is it, ne- it was Noah, right? Nef- nephew is the one that didn't get drafted this year. Yeah, ne- nephew Nephi. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, th- so to to bounce on that, like I feel like recently I've seen two things come out of the Lions uh, camp, I guess, related to Sewell. That's like made me want to see more of him. Like like you said, Jeremy, and it's one the the in, um, being the Grand Marshal for the Indy race. That's right. Um, and then the, the second thing was the, the video that they did of all of them on father's day, like changing a diaper. (laughs) And I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see more of the relationship that he has with, uh, Halapuli Palivaitai. Mm -hmm. Um, because like, I think he refers to him as like uncle in the video. It's just, (laughs) I think, I think it's like a form of, you know, a term of endearment kind of, but like, I I think that that's an interesting kind of, I mean, the offensive line is going to be interesting because even like Frank Ragnow, like I want to see more Frank, the outdoorsman. Sure. I right. want to see more Frank Ragnow. You know, we were all fascinated. I know Chris was with Anthony Zettel, you know, you tackling know, the tackling tree, trees, UFC, spearing, spearing trees like he was edge. But like, I, I think the, I, I mean, I want to see more Frank just chilling and fishing. That'd be fun. <laughs> I'd like to see a lot more of just the offensive line together in general. Uh, real quick, though, we did miss one other Sewell brother, uh, also Gabriel, who plays oh, for the Shout Philadelphia Stars in the USFL. Did they win? Did you guys know that the USFL championship was this weekend? I did. I did. Only because of Case Cookus. That's the only reason. Like, Is, I, did, did I the Stars the win? No, they did not. Oh, it was a stallion. Both okay. both starting quarterbacks got injured. Uh, the MVP of the game was Victor Bolden, former Lions wide receiver. Victor Bolden! And... And uh, and Bo Scarborough 
120 some rushing yards in that game. Former Lion, and like winning effort. 13 carries, right? Yeah, he had like yeah, former Lions. Former Anyways. Lions doing well. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean I to take us down somehow, talking about yeah, USFL. USFL. I just Yikes. wanted to. I just you know wanted to talk about Gabriel. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Violation by me. Um. Yeah. No. And I mean, we. I feel like we've talked so much about coaches we want to see that those are just obvious shoe-ins and even people I've talked to in the national media have been, I've told them about like, look, like plenty of coaches to talk about here. Like Antoine Randall, like guys who are used to the spotlight, who are used to getting mic'd up for, for NFL Sundays, like Antoine Randall L just bring them all in. Yeah. And that's, that's always one of the more revealing parts of hard knocks too, is those, those meetings that, that no one ever gets to see that the cameras inside the player meetings or sometimes in the, in the coaches meetings where they're speaking candidly about players in a way that they would never in, in front of the media. And it's interesting. Cause you know, I, I put as a topic here, you know, what, what coaches are you excited to see kind of in that vein? And the more I think about it, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how different it's going to be because these coaches speak very candidly about these players to the media. These or on the sideline and it gets on the sideline. like Aubrey Pleasant. <laughs> yeah. Like there's, I don't know if we're going to like see a side of this coaching staff that we've never seen because they are pretty darn open. So I I'll throw it to you guys. Is, is there someone where you're just like, maybe when the lights are turned off, so to speak, they're going to, you know, say stuff and, and be an interesting head coach or be an interesting position coach that, that we haven't quite seen yet. Jeremy, I'm shocked that you just didn't stump for like at least six hours of footage of Kelvin Shepard. <laughs> um, but I, I think, I think one of the interesting, I think one of the interesting coaches to see in that vein is going to be Aaron Glenn, because I think that Aaron Glenn, obviously long, you know, tenured NFL player himself. I think that he like understands that media relationship, like a lot of them do, you know what I mean? Like they have media training. They know like what to say in front of the camera and one not to say in front of the camera. But I, I get the feeling that Aaron Glenn is the most reserved, like when he's on camera, but I feel like he's going to cut loose when, when he's behind closed doors. Like I, I really do like, not like cuss people out or anything, but like, just we're going to get more of like the Aaron Glenn who was like putting on the chain um, in the inside the den video. Sure. And, and, and I want to just see more like personality out of Aaron Glenn. Cause I feel like we get a lot of football, Aaron Glenn, but we don't get a ton of like personality, Aaron Glenn. We get Aaron, Aaron Glenn. Yeah. Uh, wrap this up then. So are there any like roster bubble players you feel like probably going to make the most convincing story? I've been trying to wrap my head around. I mean, I, I guess I just don't know who some of these guys are like for the cameras. Like I'd love to say Quintez Cephas is a great story, but I don't know enough about Quintus Cephas, the person to really throw that hat in the ring. Well, I think the first one that jumps to mind is Jared Davis and, and maybe, maybe he's not considered a oh, roster bubble player, yeah, yeah. but I, I think he is. I think, I think Jared Davis is a, is a fascinating story and, and, you know, hard knocks loves those roster bubble stories, right? They love following those guys so that there's some drama when the roster cuts happen. And um, there's so many subplots with him. So right? many. Yeah. Yeah. And, a, mm-hmm. a ton a former first round pick returning to the team that um drafted him you know new regime new regime you know he, he's an emotional guy an honest guy you know if, if hard knocks pulls him aside that they're, they're gonna get the truth out of him and so yeah i, I think he's the first and, and, and maybe foremost guy that i think we're gonna follow around when they 
when the conversation on on the narrative of, of the documentary turns to bubble players, I think he's number one with a bullet. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a pretty good answer. I, I think maybe not on the roster bubble, but like I still want to stick with the linebacker group. And I think it's James Houston for me because sure. I, I, I think that they're going to want to highlight the fact that he was a, you know, FBS player that went to, you know, Jackson State and they could talk about, you know, Dion CUs and stuff. And yeah, and, and time with Dion. And, and honestly, like if there is going to be a player that maybe gets like, you know, cut out on in terms of like, being told like what to do or how to do it as he still makes that transition from, you know, playing the edge to playing linebacker. Like we saw it a little bit in rookie minicamp, right, Jeremy? Like he needed a lot of tutelage and a lot of talking, a lot of coaching. So yeah, I think that that would be an interesting player. That's maybe semi-ish bubble. I don't know how on the bubble he is, but he's kind of like on the bubble in the same way Jared Davis is. Well, and, we, talk, and, and we, we talked was, about him a couple podcasts ago. Like he, I think he's definitely on the bubble. And they might be in competition with one another, right, Jeremy? That is also true, yeah. Yeah. In a way, that they are kind of sharing the same role. And interesting, like James Houston will also kind of, he'll have the the hard knocks edge, I think, on Jared Davis because he was part of that documentary uh, at Jackson State. So um, maybe maybe he'll show a little savvy when it comes to to the camera. And Um, he was on Last Chance U, wasn't he? I think he was too, yeah. I think he was on that as well, yeah. So Wow. There you go. Um, plenty yeah, of I, plenty of doc DNA. I'm trying to think where else. Like I, I think Chris is right. Like the wide receiver battle is interesting. So you know, Quintus Cephas, um, Trinity Benson is it's kind of an interesting story. Maybe um, Khalil Pimpleton works his way into that conversation just by means of being a local guy, uh, and and a good story there. Other than that, like I don't like. I feel like they got to follow Jeff Okuda, right? I know he's not a bubble player, but Jeff Okuda has to be a huge storyline, right? Absolutely. We're talking about a guy who was like a top top five pick, Ohio State, like seen two coaching regimes already, one that he's had, you know, choice words for, and then his season gets completely derailed, and I'm sure they can find plenty of B-roll on – callers across Detroit radio and other places just disparaging his name, even though he's like, you know, and, and coming back from the Achilles on top of it, just a huge, one of those players. I think they love the idea that he's got a huge mountain to climb tons of expectations and a huge mountain to climb with an injury that just like should be a death sentence at that position. Just, you know, just hoping that modern medicine can help him get over that hump. And, and real quick, one more player you mentioned, like the rising expectations, Chris. I think a story that they might zero in on might be Charles Harris, just being a former first round pick who flames out, ends up in Detroit, gets a contract extension because he was their best pass rusher a year ago. And and that's not a bad thing at all by any means, because Jeremy talked about it on the Spotify live Q&A about like the, the double teams that he faced and the pressure that he still created, like Charles Harris. Harris earned every bit of that contract and it earned every bit of, you know, coming back to this team. But he's also like one of those success stories about Brad Holmes and this like strategy that he's employing of, Hey, I'm going to sign low risk contracts that, that might end up having high value. And Charles Harris is one of the, you know, examples of, of that being a success. So I think that that'll be an interesting storyline too. Especially if he's put up like in contrast to Aiden Hutchinson, who's obviously probably the most, 
I don't know if like he's, he's the most magnetic to the camera. I would imagine. I imagine for what people are telling me about Aiden Hutchinson, like he'll probably seek the camera and that's, you know, the Brad Holmes connection there. Here's the guy who was your value signing as a free agent versus here's your number two overall draft pick. Yeah. Same edge position. Yeah. Plymouth, Plymouth's Ivan Drago, right? Jim? (laughs) All right. That's that's enough. (laughs) That needs to catch on. Plymouth's Ivan Drago. We'll, we'll try to explore that and more as we get into the mailbag next on the pride of Detroit POD cast. We'll put a pin in the hard knock stuff. I'm, I'm ready for it. I did not think I would be excited for hard knocks, but Hey, put my team on there and I'll, uh, I'll talk about it, I guess. We'll be right back. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mail time. Hashtag ask POD. We're doing a double size mailbag today because it's the middle of July and uh, we're all hot. We've dealt with pets over the 4th of July and it's time to just take more mail questions. This is where Ryan takes the stage. He's asked me not to use the title. (laughs) Actually, he did not ask. He did not ask me. I'm just doing out of deference. Someone's already called Ryan the title this week. <laughs> so as the master of the mail here, Ryan, would you like to look inside your mailbag and let us know where we are going to start? I like how we've, we've stepped away from being the oldest people in the room to being the most immature young people in the room. Um, this, this was, seamlessly this was a... from break back into the podcast. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, I'm glad we can do that. Uh, yeah. So this, um, this mailbag is brought to you by never letting the party die. Um, so first question, thoughts from my couch at couch underscore thoughts underscore. What is your all-time favorite Lions game to rewatch and why is it the Green Bay week 18 game? Hold up, but we're talking all time. I've got to go back to 2016. Uh, which which Vikings game was it with the with the Golden Tate butt flip? Oh man, that was on the road. It was on the road. It was November. It was not the Thanksgiving game. They played him on Thanksgiving. Oh, that's right, right Thanksgiving. Yes, and that that was the Darius Slay pickoff game. Correct. I want to I want to say it was in October. It was earlier in the season. No, it was November 6th. It was November 6th. I remember the game. Oh, so they played Minnesota twice in the same month. Yes. November 6th, wow. 2016. That's my favorite Lions game to rewatch. It's a good one. Yeah, it is a good one. Um, I, I would say if there was one game that was my most rewatched game for a while, it was Matthew Stafford's game against the Cleveland Browns in his rookie season. And it was mostly just the final drive. Because 
that is maybe the most iconic NFL films Detroit Lions video ever. And I don't think I'm necessarily exaggerating there. But if we're talking maybe an overall game, and, and to be fair, like that was a ridiculously fun and crazy overall game. But most fun Lions game ever. I feel like I feel like I might have to pick something from that 2016 season two or or oh God, I don't know. Maybe maybe the Calvin Johnson what, how many yards did he have against Dallas in that in that game? Like I don't know. You're, you're stealing my answer. I'm sorry. Well then you you go you get into it better because I feel like you're you're researching it right now and you might have more context to it. Um so I don't know. So it's a take your pick because I don't. What about the Matthew Stafford fake spike touchdown? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that that's a great game in itself, too. Um, yep. I think that one was 2013, um, if I'm remembering correctly. I but believe I, that's correct. I mean, I, I think my my most rewatch game is the Calvin Johnson goes off when the Lions are down however many. Yeah. And I mean, these. I mean the touchdown catches and Bobby Carpenter with the with the fumble return, like, yeah, no, that that's a really rewatchable game for me too. Um, next question, uh, as I um, dig back into my mailbag, uh, let's have a kind of fun-hearted one um, from <laughs> attractive minister at Fox <laughs> the Magnet. Christ. Dude, the I'm Fox gonna read Magnet. their names. Okay, yeah, the Fox Magnet. Um, if you were stuck on a deserted island for a year, which three lions, staff, or players would you bring? Entertainment or survival reasons are accepted. Okay. Well, I feel like Frank Ragnow is like the center square and bingo here. Like we all have to have him, right? Pretty much. Like if you want to survive. Yeah. 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 Ragnow, I, I'm going to throw Campbell in there, Dan Campbell in there too. Just he seems like he's got the will to just kind of like, Live. Stitch things together. Yeah. Yeah. Lift, <laughs> yeah. lift two. Lift two. <laughs> okay. If I want to be on desert, if I want to be on deserted island, my entire thoughts are getting on are towards getting off that island. So you have Ragnow Campbell, and then who's your third? That's a good question. You, you're going to have to have Jamal Williams just so you can have someone talk your ear off or you talk you know what, that's true. about yes, anime. Yes, yes, yes. Jamal Williams. Jamal someone Williams. someone to keep you comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone, someone with which to pass the time. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it says for an island, so I don't think escape is even an option there. So, so yeah, Williams. Okay. Uh, I'm going to throw Jeff Okuda on the island with me as well because I feel like that dude is going to fight through any sort of adversity possible. Fair. I mean, that's very on brand for you. Yeah. For sure. As, any, any opportunity, like I'm going to just try to turn Jeff Okuda into an answer on every single one of these questions. As you're, as you're driving the bandwagon for, <laughs> for Jeff Okuda. I, I need Not to outdo Eric, Eric now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I feel like there has to be an entertainment source and I feel like I, I might get sick of Jamal Williams's shtick after a while. So I need to get someone who's uh, just after a while. I'm not trying to throw shade at the guy. Shade. Um, so I, I need someone who's just going to be a constant source of inform- of entertainment and might throw me off guard. And I mean, Dan Campbell's the easy answer there, right? Like, I think he's going to have stories for days and be a seriously 
entertaining person, but I want to pick someone else and I'm not sure who that is. I feel, I feel like someone else on the coaching staff has got to be full of a lot of like Aaron Glenn. I think Aaron Glenn, I could just I listen to that. Deuce. Dude talk for I was going to say Deuce, but Deuce, yeah. Deuce is probably up there too. I'm going to say Aaron Glenn though. Steal your favorite guy, Ryan. Um, no, so I, the only other guy that I want to suggest is a Lee McNeil. Like that guy is going to be able to, he's going to be able to put together whatever he needs to put together because he's just going to be the brains and the brawn of the operation of, of get back home. True. Here, here's some, some sort of physical threat. Only McNeil's a nice guy to have on your side. Frank is the survivalist. And then like you said, you just need some leadership. So that's why you turn to the coaching staff and it's, it's hard not to pick any of those guys. Here's something I want to answer for hard knocks to help out this question. I want to know who's going to be the, who's the best cook among this uh, Lions staff or in players. That's something we got to learn Deshaun, from hard Deshaun Elliott. Deshaun Elliott wants to get into culinary <laughs> That's stuff. right. So That's his, true. Uh, his NFL career. So Kelvin Shepard has the best food Instagram <laughs> on the team. I knew it. We couldn't leave the segment without Jeremy talking about Kelvin Shepard. <laughs> Listen, just Kelvin, this is this is a, a podcast that is now sponsored by just the people, Kelvin Shepard and Jeff Okuda. <laughs> uh, all right, next question. Um, I, I guess these would be considered related to one another, as the notes say, but um, I'll go with from Aaron Martin at Aaron Martin. SFU on Twitter. He says, what would you consider a successful season for Jeff Okuda this year? Not in necessarily becoming the player that was projected when he went third overall, that seems lofty, but in just becoming an important piece of the defense. And I'll give you the side question um, from South Detroiter. Uh, if Jeff Okuda ends up being Chris Houston, is that okay with you? I think I would take that. It's a good question. Uh, both of those are good questions. And I, I think it depends on which Chris Houston you're talking about, right? Before he came to Detroit, he was pretty, pretty good and thought of a, as a solid free agent pickup. Then he had maybe one good year in Detroit and, and kind of slid the rest of the way. Um, but if we're talking just 2022, which we are, you know, what, what is a successful season this year? I think it's average level play for a CB one, just like, you know, in that, even, even I think in that like 16 to 20 range PFF amongst CB ones, not amongst all corners amongst CB ones, that would be, a, I, I don't, I almost would consider wildly successful because I'm not expecting him to come in and be a top 10 corner. I'm not expecting him to be a, a guy that lives up immediately to his, you know, third overall pick. But if he can be an average number one corner, that that is a huge win, not only for Jeff Okuda, but for the Detroit Lions, because they've been lacking a number one corner period since Darius Slay was ran out of town. Jettisoned. I was, I was trying to think of a, a nice word to say there. <laughs> yeah, I think middle, <laughs> yeah. middle of the pack I, I is <laughs> middle of the pack is about where I'm at too. I don't this is funny. We had someone who tagged all of us, I think, earlier this week on Twitter who was asking for like over under on pick sixes for Jeff Okuda. What did he set it at? Cause it was, it was high. He said it one and a half, which is that, like that alone is high sixes, because pick sixes don't happen. They're, they're very random. Like, I feel like you, you're, if you're going to bet anything, you'll bet for like the half. And I think you said that Ryan, right? Yeah. You'll bet over yeah, under half. half. At like, yeah. Yeah. At like, yeah. Plus money for sure. But, um, do you have anything to add, Chris? Other than no, no, no. I guess, I guess like my point. I guess the my pack point. number one corner. I, I, I'd like to see. 
middle of the pack. And like, I, I just don't know where I'm going to go if I would prefer him more towards like pass breakups, interceptions, or just on coverage in general. I think, I think it's just better if he's just got a guy locked down. That's kind of, that's enough for me. I don't need to see him doing big play slay type of stuff. I just need to see him, you know, taking his side of the field and just making it a, a hassle for whoever has to play against him. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. I think the best statistic that you could look at is like maybe completion percentage allowed at his targets or, you know, pass ratings, maybe a little bit of a, a weaker stat and more flawed stat. But, um, you know, I, I think, I think the thing that really bothered people about his play early on is, is the amount of big plays that he gave up. So just seeing a cut down on that, which is not an easy thing to cut down, cut down on, you know, receivers are ridiculously talented to see this in this era of modern football and, and rules are tighter and tighter against defensive backs. But um, yeah, I mean, if he, if he can limit big plays to, I don't know, like the, the five to 10 range instead of the, you know, 16 to 20 be huge. And that would be a good sign for where he is with his Achilles too, because that would mean like that he's not getting, you know, because when those big plays happen, it's going to be because, you know, your corner gets burned. Sure. And if the Achilles is doing well, he's going to be able to cut and keep pace with uh, with whoever, you know, he's covering. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I think what I'm hearing is if he ends up being a Chris Houston type of player, that might be a little disappointing. Because I, I think I think you look at Chris Houston's body of work when he was in Detroit, and like Jeremy said, he had the one year where he had he had five interceptions, um, and he had two of them, funny enough, that he took back to the house, and one of them was that hundred yard recept, uh, interception return against the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean that I mean Chris Houston could kind of be understood as like a boomer bus corner, like either he's making a play or he's not making a play, and. We're arguing for a different archetype here. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're looking for somebody from Jeff Okuda who's like going to like limit the big plays um, more so than you see, give them up a little bit. But I I would say if, if you got average Chris Houston this year out of Jeff Okuda, I wouldn't consider that a major disappointment. If that's all that he amounts to beyond 2022, that would still be a disappointment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, all right, so the can we fit in one more here? I think yeah, let's fit least. in one more, and then we've got uh, we'll 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 do a bunch of these on the other side too. Okay, um, so I'm going to skip ahead to this one from Phil Murray at Phil Twenty Three Murray on Twitter. He says, "Sun God or Baby Shark most receiving yards this season." I feel like we've had this kind of question before, and we I think we've argued that it's kind of hard to tell how many receiving yards Amon Ra is going to get because he's going to probably be used in a lot more of a shorter passing situation this year, since he's not going to be a, uh, a Swiss army knife. He's not going to be asked to do everything with the, with the new plenitude of wide receivers that they have, but I guess I'm going to go still, I'll still go sun God. I think sun God will have more receiving yards than shark. Yeah. It's tricky because I think, I think it's a matter of, Amon Ra getting more targets versus DJ Chark getting more yards per catch because I think that's what that's what you're going to get. I think yes. I think Amon Ra is going to get targeted more because he's a, a, a he he can do more things. He can do a, a wider variety of things than Chark can do. Even though you know Chark is a guy who said 
I like what they're they're building here in Detroit because they are using all of their wide receivers in so many different ways. And he's going to get an opportunity to do things beyond just being a deep threat. Um, but it, I, as, as, as someone, we, we saw the way that Jared Goff connects with certain receivers and, and, and how important it is for him to develop a chemistry with, with someone. And that doesn't make him different than, than most quarterbacks, but we saw last year, I think maybe a, a very, exaggerated version of that where as soon as 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 Reynolds Josh Reynolds came in like there was that chemistry and so I think he's going to immediately come in and have that chemistry with Amon Ra it might take a while still for him to develop it with with DJ Chark so I'm with you I I I think it's going to be Amon Ra but I think it could be very close and I mean late in the games even before we knew Amon Ra was Amon Ra like Amon Ra St. Brown was getting plenty of dump off targets as well like so I think that just by volume and the fact of what we know where St. Brown succeeds, like he's going to be not quite a safety valve for Jared Goff, but like if there's a dump off situation or if Jared Goff just needs to hit someone over the middle for a few, few yards, it feels like Amon Ra is more, it feels like St. Brown is more designed for that role. And, and we know Jared Goff is more comfortable making that pass than he is throwing it deep. Yes. And, and we know he's, and again, to your point, Third, third prongs that he's got the chemistry and knows all St. Brown can do that. Yeah. Uh, last side question to just uh, itch my, my betting or, or scratch my betting itch. That's it. Um, yeah. The gap. Cause Jeremy, I, I think I agree with you in, in the sense that like, I think it's going to be pretty close mm-hmm. over or under 149 and a half yards difference. The gap between them, the gap between them. <sighs> I'll just go under. I don't. I don't have a good explanation for it. it, it that's yeah, fine. That's, I, I think that's, it's gonna that's be how betting is sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris. Do you have an answer? No, 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 no. I've uh, I've got no mind for betting at this time of year. <laughs> if anything, if anything, I've I've. You know what? We'll we'll save we'll save that part for later. Uh. Do you want to try to fit one more in? You know what? We should go to break. We should go to break and we can do like a longer third segment with the rest of the questions. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Let's take a quick break here. We'll come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. More mailbag with Ryan, the mailman general. Is that, is that the title? <laughs> oh man. I like that a lot better. I like that <laughs> a lot better. I can put that on a resume. Mailman general. I don't think that's the, look that's way more impressive. I don't think that's the usual, that's the proper U.S. title, but, you know, we'll go with it. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back to the mailbag from the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We're going to take a break from reading reviews. 
but you can still send us a review. And if you send it to us on Apple, on Apple podcast, pride of Detroit, give us five stars. We will read it on the air. We have a backlog to get to there, but we're going to put that to a side today because we still have plenty of questions in the mail ruckus and we have to get through all of the mail with Ryan Matthews, excuse me. I almost said Ryan Matthews. The the post guy general. Mail guy. The name keeps on getting worse. Okay, here we go. Um, Let's see. Uh, Wyclef Dijon, (laughs) hashtag one pride on on Twitter. Wyclef. Oh, okay. No, okay. That was a hashtag, not the not the ad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No. I just <laughs> I didn't see that when I put that in the <laughs> Yeah. At at Wyclef underscore Gene. Who also uh, has, has a out... fat guy. Is that a fat guy? It is. It's a fat uh, I forget his name from Destiny. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm I'm sure you saw the McAfee video about how the Lions have the most expensive offense in the league. Can you dive into that a bit? How much does Goff's contract situation moving forward influence the decision of whether or not to keep him? Yeah. So just for clarification purposes, I I didn't see the the uh, McAfee bit or whatever, but I'm I'm pretty sure he's basing this off of a Warren Sharp tweet that said in terms of cap space, the Lions are spending the most on the offense of any, anyone in the league. And you look why that is Jared Goff is a big reason for that. The Lions are spending 34 million on their quarterback this year, which is tied for fourth, I think, or third, or I'm sorry, fifth in the league. Um, they're also spending a fair amount at, I mean, they're third and center and left line. tackle, right? Yeah. Third or yeah. Third. yeah. 50, about, just over 50 million on the offensive line. 50.6. Right. Yeah. And that's because, yeah, and they just paid Taylor. Vitae's contract too. And, and Vitae's contract. Um, so even the fact that, that Jonah Jackson and um, Benicio are both on rookie contracts, still they're spending a ton on the offensive line. They're, they're obviously spending a little bit more on wide receiver, but still actually towards the bottom of the league um, just because most of those, are, are pretty sound investments that, that you're either going to be long-term or extremely short-term. And then, it, I mean, it really just stems from those two, right? Like quarterback yeah. and offensive line. And, and maybe, and maybe tight end just because of where Hawkinson was drafted. Sure. They're, I, I would say, say that 12th he, or so he's above average. Yeah. In terms <clears> of cost. Yeah. So I, and I don't, I don't know if I view this as like a concern or anything like that. Like, or maybe people might be worried I, that they're spending so much on their offense might not be that good. I think though, like we at least understand it from this, from like you, I mean, we're bare, we're we blew past the lead there. It's like, it's because part of the reason for take it for the deal they got with the Rams was that Jared Goff contract taking on that contract basically meant it was a salary dump that dumped onto the, onto the lions and the lions were going to pay out Jared Goff's contract. And they restructured it to try to, you know, handle it a little bit better, but they're still going to be paying quite a bit of it until they move on. And, and another kind of important part to this whole equation. And, and, and I, I think people see like they're spending so much on offense and they probably think like, oh, well, that's why their defense sucks so bad. Well, they rank 22nd in defensive spending. Um, and, and the reason why they can do that is because they rank 31st in special team spending. Because basically everyone on special teams is on an exclusive rights free agent contract, which is basically the bare minimum. So the Lions are saving on special teams so that they can spend a lot on offense, which that, I mean, 
if that's the way they continue to, to do things and, and they won't be able to do things like eventually they're going to have to pay Jack Fox and um, eventually they're going to have to figure out who their punter is. But I love that strategy. Cut corners on special teams, spend all the money on offense. That's, that's actually good cap management in my opinion. And that's not just Jeremy special teams hater speaking. Like I think that is smart. I think, I think you want to invest most in most in your offense because that's the most stable long-term. And, and if you're, if, if a lot of those investments are coming from your offensive line and your quarterback, well, that, I mean, those are, again, the, the two things that, that create a most stable franchise, I think is a good offensive line and a good quarterback. Now, obviously Jared Goff, you can say what you will about who he is as a quarterback, <clears throat> but I think the lines would be welcome to spend that much money on whoever their future quarterback of the future will be. So I think right now that the finances actually make a lot of sense and I'm, I'm not at all concerned that they're spending that much on their offense. I, th- I think the only, the only thing that you would say about the offense, Jeremy, is that if they ever give a rookie running back a second contract, that is when yes. things go up in flames, right? <laughs> Correct. The Lions yeah. are actually in the top half of the lead, I, I think, in running back spending. Probably because of Jamal Williams, Williams, right? And it, 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 he actually, they're right around average. I, I take that back. But it is because of Joel, Jamal Williams. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question. So let's jump to. Um, we do the Paul Vernon question. We did not. I was about to do that one. Okay. No, I said can can we do it? Is it? Yeah. It, it, yeah, t- it was, tickles my brain. Yeah. So um, from Paul Vernon on Twitter, he says, "If there was a way to convince the NFL to let head coaches fight each other to determine wins and losses, how long would it take before the Lions lost or tied? How many Super Bowls would they win as well?" Okay. Thanks. I'll hang up and let you discuss. <laughs> All right. Who do we want to just go through the schedule here? I'm going to say early on, they've got a tough opponent in um, Ron Rivera. Week two, right? Against Washington. So Riverboat, first, we- Riverboat Ron. Riverboat Ron is, is, uh, <laughs> Are we are I we about know. to spend are we about to spend three minutes on my coach can kick your coach's ass? <laughs> yes. Is that what, is well, that that's what, what we're that's what do? the people want. That's why what? we have a mailbag question about this. Rod Rivera is sixty years old. That's true. Isn't he yeah. also coming off cancer too? Or am I thinking he, yes. he is? Yes. So okay. I like the most lopsided affair on the schedule is when Dane Campbell would get into a boxing ring with Pete Carroll. <laughs> like that shouldn't be allowed well, uh to be to be fair i've also heard pete carroll when he was at usc would go and work out with kids from compton at like four in the morning to try to recruit them to come to usc yeah pete carroll so, but also still in he's 70s. also insanely old now yes <laughs> yes when do the line i feel like robert sala would be a would be an interesting oh, one that would be Ooh, heavy, that, that, that that's a that's main a, card contender for that's, sure. yeah. but that's not until week 15 I'm trying to, like, I'm just looking at who, who would even give him. Who's the Eagles coach now? Who is he? Oh, is Nick, Sirianni. Nick Sirianni. No, that's Sirianni. easy dub. Easy dub. What about, um, okay. He would, no, he would go six and zero oh against the division. <laughs> it's true. He well, Kevin, Kevin O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell's going to beat up Dan Campbell. <laughs> I'm on. just trying to think who, I, who I, I will, the entire league snap, could, he will snap Mike McDaniels, like a Mike McDaniel, like a twig. I will say that right now. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like the only guys that we can talk about in the entire league might be Robert Sala and Mike Vrabel. What about Mike Tomlin? 
Hmm. He's only well. We're not playing. We're not playing the steel. We're only playing the Steelers in preseason, right? I know, but but yeah. but but Jeremy's thinking about just like in the league, oh. like who could who could mess with Dan Campbell? Because it's a short list, right? It, it can't be longer than five coaches. This is a problem because I can't remember all of the coaches in the league. <laughs> I have a list up just for this reason. Oh my god! But I'm just I'm looking and I don't I don't know, man. Like like Brandon Staley like would not last thirty <laughs> no, seconds. No. <laughs> I I think I think it's mate. It's down. Let's let's say it's those three. It's it's Mike Rabel. It's uh, Sala. It's Robert Sala and it and it's Mike Tomlin. Put those guys in, in a four corners match. Here, I just I just need to know. I Fatal just need to know away. if. <laughs> I just need to know if Dan Campbell is as committed to a Super Bowl as Mike Vrabel is. If he's really, to, if he's willing to make that ultimate sacrifice. Okay. Anyways, so I think that uh, as the one who leads this segment, we're gonna transition from that comment. <laughs> um, I guess what I, the one thing I want to say is that he would have the championship belt, and he would also probably be he'd have the best tag team too. Like, I, I think like getting. Oh wow, Deuce Staley's a good. I, I was gonna say Aaron Glenn just oh. as like a thunder and lightning combination. Sure. Change of pace, guys. Yeah. That's how tag teams work. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, on to the next question. Uh, from Brandon Kerr on Twitter: Will any of you be going to a road game to cover this year? Which one do you want to go to in division or for a first time? I feel like there's a lot of. A lot of good questions in that one. This one's yeah. a rough year for me just because there's nothing east west of Dallas. Right. That's I, that's I, the furthest they come out my direction. I want to say that the next time I go to a road Lions game will be when they're international. I feel like it would be a really good excuse to go on like a yes. four-day vacation. I am yeah. I go am, somewhere I've never been, like London or something. I am hoping they pull a Munich game at some point. If we're going to be hosting games in Germany, I want to go to Munich. Yeah, honestly, it's not it's not that exciting of a road schedule this year in terms of like places that I want to go. Like maybe I'd want to go to Carolina. Um, maybe this would be a good year to finally go to Soldier Field, or it's not a good year to go to Lambeau since they play on January eighth. So, I'm are not you doing one of these that. people who really needs to go and have like a New York trip in your life? Because like, no. there's two trips I've to already, New York. I've already been to New York. Oh, I've never been to New York, but I just don't feel like going in like late November, <clears throat> early December. The, the 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 only one on my list, and it's the one that I actually probably will end up going to, is New England. And part of that is because our, our good pal Alex Reno is moving to Boston, and I've never hung out in Boston. So good opportunity to see true American city. Uh, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm exact, there to talk about the socks. I'm not exactly like 100% thrilled to go, but I, I feel like Boston's a city that I should kind of have on, on my list of places that I've been. Okay. All right. Um, next question from uh, Joshua Rutkowski. And an NMLS number 1011858. I just had to give a plug for his mortgage um, <laughs> career. What do you think the Lions should do between now and training camp? In my opinion, I think they should sign a fourth quarterback for camp, extend Hawk, and bring in another quote unquote true nose tackle. So, what do you think the lion? It, this almost seems like a how, how do the lions best insulate themselves with a with a move? 
Like how do they best protect themselves from something that could end up biting them in the future? Yeah. And, and it's well, an interesting question too, because first of all, they're, they're going to have a, a roster spot whenever the Penasini retirement happens. And um, that's why I threw the other question here, because I think a lot of people are concerned about that nose tackle position, that defensive tackle position. Ryan, I know you're a guy who's, who's said multiple times, like the interior, that defensive line is incredibly thin and you're not wrong. So I, I'm kind of with him. Like there, it would be nice. Not that nose tackle itself is going to be an important position in this defense. It's not. Um, they're, they're not going to have a lot of formations in which there is a true nose tackle on the field in terms of at the nose tackle position. Sometimes they'll have a guy at the zero tech, but a lot of times it'll be in like a pass rushing thing where they'll have a zero tech, a couple three techs, and then a couple wide guys to have like five guys on the, uh, on the defensive line to, to really, it, it's almost like that NASCAR type package, but you do want those guys at the, at the goal line that can like run stuff and there aren't a lot of those big bodied guys on the rosters outside of a Lee McNeil. So I, I get, I get it's, it's not that important, but you still need someone to be there to be that guy in case there's an injury. So I, I, I think I kind of a, a agree with just, you need a, you need a body there. Yeah. I, I think I would agree with that too, just because when I asked the question, I think last week to Eric and he was like, I asked him about Demetrius Taylor and he's like, yeah, he's kind of like moonlighting at the zero tech. And I mean, he's a small guy, like he's sub 300 pounds right. or like just right at that mark. And I think I'm with you in the sense that if the lions pick up a guy, it's just like, that's truly one of the positions I think along the defensive line where it's where, Hey, if I throw a big body in there, I mean, it's not the end of the world right. kind of position. You know what I mean? So I don't know. What do you think, Chris? I, I think, I think that's the right way to go. The one thing I would say is like, and maybe I've, I don't want to start a fight with Jeremy. I'm not too hot about the idea of that. We need to extend Hawkinson right now. No, I think I'd rather just I'm have with the prove. I'd rather just have the prove it year. I, I want the prove it year out of it. contract year. Then go and ball out. I'm with you. It, and it, it'll, it might end up costing the lines more money. It's a lot but of times when much, you wait though? to. But how much though? Like, do you know. think, do you feel like it's worth I it? I just don't think like, there's just a I giant market for Chris, TJ Hawkinson. And I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I truly think that like the, amount extra that it's going to cost you is almost negligible because I think that Hawkinson probably thinks like, Hey, I'm already in this class of tight end. I think it's probably rather difficult that he makes that jump to be the Kelsey or be the Kittle of the NFL. Uh, yeah. Especially with all the weapons that the lions have, they're going to spread the ball so much that I don't think he's going to pop off for 1200 yards or anything like that. The The interesting thing here, because I, I actually agree with both of you, um, and, and maybe the more surprising spin on this take I'm going to have is if there's someone they should extend this off season, I think it should be a Mani well, I just sent Ryan. <laughs> I don't, we I have nothing to question? say. To that. Yeah. Yeah. You no, need we, a I solid am. number two corner. Nope. Lock him up. Yeah, yeah. Nope. Yeah. It's, and it's clip it. uh, speaking <laughs> of cornerbacks from mad about football at ACE Buckeye one three asks one player. I feel we rarely hear about is a Melifanu. How did he look in OTAs? Is there anything in particular to look forward to or to be concerned about? I feel like I see this one to Jeremy. Well, yeah, I, the, the main point here is that we don't know what he looks like because he was injured for a lot of OTAs. We really only got to see him for one or two days and he was playing that safety position. So we never really got an idea of whether it was a permanent move to safety or if it was something they were just trying out that week. And I, I put this question on here because, because we don't have kind of a baseline for a Fatou Melifano. We don't know exactly know what his role is or 
you know, how he's performing because again, like he wasn't there for most of the offseason workout program. Where does he fit in? Because that's what I, I have a hard time deciphering that. If, if we say that Jeff Okuda and, and Amani Uruari are going to be the starting corners and who knows, you know, between the, the three or four candidates, it's at nickel who's going to start there. And we, we probably give the starting safety jobs to Deshaun Elliott and Tracy Walker. Well, then where, where are we putting Ifatu Malafano? Is he, is he really just a very specific chess piece that that's a matchup guy because he's like a long, lanky, tall guy that can maybe defend some tight ends? Is he just a rotational guy? Is he a guy that's first off the bench, both at corner and at safety? I don't really know the answer to this one. It, it's tricky um, because we know the lines value this guy, but we just don't know what they have in him yet. I think what they have, and I think that they know that they have a chess piece in him. Yeah. And I think he fits that split zone safety thing that they want to do in terms of, Hey, we can have this guy out on the field with Elliot and with Tracy Walker. And he can, like you said, pick up a linebacker or move into the slot to, to, you know, match up against some guy who might come over in motion or something like that, or, or even trail a guy like that. Like, I, I think that you can put Melifanu on the field and you just benefit from having a, a lengthier guy that's out there that has some of the athleticism to, to guard different kinds of players. He's, he's just, he's kind of in that purgatory for me with, with Will Harris, honestly, like, and I, I know line tens are going to kind of cringe at that comparison just because they hate Will Harris, but it's just, and, and maybe, maybe I'm viewing it more as a negative when it should be viewed as a positive where we're like you said, like they can throw that guy out wherever they need him. And and wherever the, the lines need him, because we all know injuries hit the secondary a lot. And it certainly did last year. And so having guys like Will Harris, having guys like Afatu Melifanu that can fill in as many spaces as possible are valuable for sure. I just wonder, considering this guy's a third round pick, will he ever find a permanent? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, last question um, from yeah, at Nate at Nate Meredith on Twitter asks what has to happen this year to be considered successful next season. But this year and next season, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. To be honest, this year, I don't know what this, this is so hard because we saw it last year, guys. Like we saw it last year. Like I thought I had a good grasp on what would make successful last year was just, you know, just write the ship. Like you're going to lose a lot. I even said in the preview, we're going to lose a lot of games. And yet I still had people jumping in my mentions during the season saying that, that everyone should be fired. Like I don't think there's anything that's going to please anyone with an answer this year because sports fans are just inherently not able to process the process. Like there's no, there's nothing that is prepared, especially in Detroit sports fans, like the idea that you're going to have to sit through a, a rebuild cycle. And it's a much shorter one versus something like say the tigers who have been rebuilding a very long time. And, but even then that's like last year was really rough on some fans who still insist that nothing went right last year those voices obviously quieted by the time we got to the end of the year, but it's, I, I don't know what can be Cause like you, we've got, we've got a rough patch, right? Cause on one hand you want to maximize that. If, if you're going to draft quarterback next, next year, you have to maximize where your draft position is going to be. You just have to, you, you can't, you can't risk. Like there's, we, we understand the price that a quarterback goes for. And I don't think middle of the first round plus another like late first round, wherever the Rams end up is going to be enough to move up there. So you kind of have to look at like a top 10 pick 
But at the same time, you also need wins to kind of vitalize the fan base, vitalize your team and get people to buy in on that. You're building something properly. So I, there's a weird no man's land. I feel like, I feel like almost like I'm not saying six, the lions have to get to six wins, but I feel like six wins is that nice niche where you're not screwing up both goals, but you just muted yourself. I was sorry. I was playing with something like an idiot. Um, I just don't, I don't know where that nice sweet spot is between lions and still a lot of confidence versus the lions have good draft capital moving into a year where they absolutely need a quarterback. That place doesn't exist. <laughs> right. So what like, gets sacrificed? Like it, what gets sacrificed? Well, here, here's the dirty secret that I'm going to let all of you in on right now. Jared Goff is going to be the quarterback for the Detroit Lions for the foreseeable future. I think I think Jared Goff's time in Detroit is going to be longer than a lot of people think it's going to be because – I think that Jared Goff can fulfill the prophecy of being the quarterback that's just good enough that you don't want to get rid of because you're worried about what's behind door number two. I I truly think that he can fit the mold of Kirk Cousins or he can fit the mold of Derek Carr. And we've talked about this before, but I truly think that Jared Goff, when surrounded by talent, can be just good enough to not lose his job, especially considering how young he still is and the connections that he has to Brad Holmes. I think that Lions fans, like if you're hoping that the Lions draft a quarterback next year, this isn't me like being upset that I carried water for Malik Willis or, or anything like that. Like I, I truly don't think that Chris's place exists. Like you cannot both have perceivably this, this franchise heading in the right direction because that equates to wins this year wins are the way that you determine how successful this football team is. And without those, yes, you put yourself in a better position to get the quarterback, but that's a perfect storm. I'm going to hang the ghosts of the former lions upon this team right now, just because I just don't want them to be in that vein because I don't see golf being as good as a Kirk cousins or Derek Carr. Cause those are pretty lofty places even in the NFL to be like not elite, but he's but been there. He's he has, been there before. He has the been there, but it's, it's all a question of, can he be back, back up there? And the lions, I, I got talking with someone about how is, how were the lions down so long? And you look at what, like they didn't, it's not that they didn't have a quarterback. They went out and tried to get a quarterback for about 20 years. And it kept coming back with, yeah, let's go sign Scott Mitchell. Let's go sign Eric Kramer. Let's go sign these guys who might be good, who might be in that level that you're talking about. And I know it's really hard to hit on that. You have to have a massive amount of luck and to be a little cocksure about it. And the dark side of the yin to that is you could be the Cleveland Browns where you're just drafting bad quarterback after bad quarterback. But but I mean, that was the lions for a long time. It was Andre Ware and it was Joey Harrington and it was, you know, I mean, throw Drew Stanton in there. Like even in the second round, like drafting a quarterback, not the lions forte for a long, long time. And that, I think that just goes to show you how difficult it is to draft a quarterback. And the fact that Jared Goff was a part of the trade for Matthew Stafford, dude, I just think he's going to be around longer than people think. 
So this is going to keep coming back, back to Jared Goff as much as we try to do anything else. It just keeps coming back here. Well, let me, let me answer the original question in a way that has nothing to do with Jared Goff. And it actually has nothing to do with wins or losses either. Because to me, a, like I, last year, a successful season to me was weathering the storm and building the culture. And they did that. They did both those things this year. A successful season is getting your second through fourth. All your players that are on rookie contracts, getting those guys to the next level, building those guys, showing that your coaching staff is capable of developing that talent. We need to see Levi owns take a step. We need to see Aline McNeil take a step. We need to see Jeff Okuda take a step. We need to see a bunch of these guys that are in their young early twenties, the guys that that we are hoping are going to be the bait, like the 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 foundation of this team. Throw throw DeAndre Swift into that. Throw TJ Hawkinson into that. All these guys that Jonah Jackson needs to take a next step. Frank Ragnow, take another step. Not on a rookie contract anymore. Panay Sewell, take another step. If these guys can show that they are foundational pieces to this team, then then. I mean, quarterback is almost going to be an afterthought because the Lions will have a solid foundation. Derek Barnes, if Derek Barnes can be a starting linebacker, a lot of things about this team is going to be figured out. Yeah, quarterback is never an afterthought, though, Jeremy. Like, I think that that's Not a pie in the sky league, idea. No. Not in this league, no. But I, I think agree. I think I to where Jeremy's you. going, I think to where Jeremy's going, like, if we're splitting hairs between rookie quarterback and next tier and like you know the the tiers below elite but but serviceable i think that's where jeremy's trying to go but we're almost yeah, yeah. i know we're tapped out on time but I, I the the only thing i can say is like i like the lions are not going to be bad enough in terms of wins and losses to get bryce young or cj stroud like i i i know that like with my whole chest yeah. we'll talk ourselves into the kid from kentucky or something or florida no it's florida for richardson that's right We'll figure something out. Can, can we all agree though? Success in 2023 is playoffs, right? Like they have to make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just lofting that one up there. All right. I think that's enough for the POD cast. Thank you, Ryan, for your double duty as uh, the postman man. <laughs> the postman man. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you control a lot of postmen. For myself. Ryan Matthews for Jeremy Ryzen. We're out. We'll have more podcasts later in the week as we just barrel through July. Stay cool. Stay safe. We'll see you star side. Peace.